All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Sex in the Bull City. And I'm Dr. Sophia Cottle, the owner and clinical director of Bull City Psychotherapy here in Durham, North Carolina. We also have um, satellite offices in Wilmington, North Carolina and Apex and soon coming to Charlotte. So I'm really excited about that. And um, anyway, we're going to have an interesting conversation today about EMDR and virtual therapy. So I'm just going to give a quick rundown, then we're going to hear from our associates here. These are all associates at Bull City. And and I'm just going to kind of lay the groundwork here, but I'm going to let them shine and really um, help you understand how EMDR uh, is definitely not only possible, but also effective through Zoom or any other teletherapy modalities. So, you know, we had COVID a few years ago, um, and that was pretty interesting uh, as a therapist for how to make a quick pivot into virtual teletherapy. Many of us had been doing teletherapy anyway, but we probably weren't doing a lot of EMDR. Like if we had the choice, we would probably do EMDR in person. Now that's not everybody, but that's certainly a lot of a lot of therapists. So there was a lot of conversation, actually a lot of panic amongst therapists for how are we going to do this deep work virtually and and I listened in on a lot of conversations and I certainly found a way to do it and but but I thought it would be really helpful to to sort of really go into to the conversation around this so that you our listener um, a layperson not a therapist can understand so that you can make informed decisions for yourself what kind of therapy is is best for you and, and that can actually change throughout the lifespan. So, so COVID happened. EMDR is a trauma treatment originally. However, now we use it for everything. We can use it for grief, anxiety, depression, anything you can think of. We, can, we have an EMDR protocol for that. So it's, it's an alternative therapy that sometimes eye movements might be used. Like if you watch my eyes go back and forth like this. So EMDR actually stands for eye movement desensitization reprocessing. So it is um, a really cool um, alternative therapy that gets right in the brain that can help us make quick change uh, behaviorally and emotionally and mentally also. So it's a really cool therapy that um, I, I'm really thrilled to, to use. It, it changed the way I did therapy. So I'm just really happy about it being in my professional life. But Knowing that that's typically something that we used to do in person, yeah, I just really wanted to have a conversation that might be helpful to you. And and I also want to hear from my associates, and they're all going to introduce themselves here in just a second. But um, everybody knows more than I do about this (laughs) that's in this room because y'all have really done your homework. And I've kind of just stuck to like, oh, yeah, okay, I'm just going to keep doing this thing. And so I'm excited to learn from y'all. And um, maybe even some other therapists are going to listen to this. So I'm just going to really listen and ask some questions. But before we get into it, um, let's just go around the room. And if y'all can just um, just say who you are and, you know, what you what you specialize in here at Bull City and, and what type of therapy you you do primarily. Are you in person and virtual, just in person, just virtual. Everybody's doing different things this, these days. So it's kind of neat um, to really be able to share 
um, who you are professionally with our listeners. So yeah, let's just, anyone who wants to get started, Emily, how about you? Yeah, sure. So I'm Emily. Um, I primarily work with uh, young adult women. It seems to be that those are the folks that find me um, and I'm happy to work with them. I also work with couples, um, generally speaking, lower conflict couples that are just looking for a tune-up um, versus people that really need that like, super intensive couples work. Um, but with individuals, I, I see um, really anybody 18 and up. I think just all the young women, you know, as a young woman, I guess like calls to life. But um, yeah, and I do all virtual for now. We'll see you in the future. Thanks, Emily. Yeah. Um, let's see. How about Marae? Okay. Well, hi, I'm Ray. Um, I typically see couples and individuals. My couples are usually coming in for communication skills. Um, they usually are high conflict and really need to figure out how to kind of ground themselves and just learn how to interact with each other in a healthy way. Um, and I also do EMDR with my couples um, or my individuals. Um, depending on what it is that they really need to work on, we may pause and do some EMDR really quick and then kind of go back to couples therapy. Um, and also my individuals typically are coming in with some type of relational relational issue that they are trying to work through. Um, so I kind of work with them. Um, and I am hybrid, so I do virtual and I do in-person therapy as well. Thanks, Marae. Yeah, good to hear from you. Um, Aura. Hi, I'm Aura, and I work with individuals um, in areas of grief, loss, PTSD, complex traumas, and a lot of what shows up is a lot of um, childhood traumas, as well as um, just the general of anxiety and depression. And so we, we work on their areas, and all of those aspects really lend well to EMDR, and I do that both online as well as in the office, so, yes. Thanks, Ara. And Celind. Celind, and I am the intern this uh, fall, and uh, my work has been primarily with individuals, but I do see couples, and I am interested in all things sex, gender and sexuality. Uh, anything that has to do with the relationship, uh, intimacy, sex addiction, all of those things are of interest to me. I'm also interested in uh, institutional trauma and, uh, and pursuing training in that. So I am hybrid and that allows me to uh, meet the clients wherever they are comfortable. My preference is always in person because I think that allows for connection. But at the same time, I have clients that are doing good work uh, and are doing virtual virtual EMDR too uh, and getting a lot out. Yeah, thanks, Celine. Yeah, so um, why don't y'all share Let's just have a conversation around how you might do EMDR virtually through the computer. Again, being that it was a, a alternative therapy created for in-person. And whenever we go to trainings, I don't think now anymore, but you know, back in the day, 
when I would go to an EMDR training, it was like, you know, you never even would consider doing EMDR <laughs> virtually. And but now there's I think there's a lot of really cool things going on. So, you know, let's just see where this discussion takes us. Who wants to start? I'm happy to go since anybody that I do EMDR with is, is virtual as a rule. Um, so I think one of the best things about EMDR is, um, to me anyway, is that it's so customizable for the, the person in the moment. Um, there are like a million different online platforms that can enable you to do EMDR virtually with a client. Um, I test drove all of them. My personal favorite, this isn't like sponsored or anything, but it is my favorite one, um, was bilateralstimulation.io. Mm -hmm. I can um, create uh, basically like a, a template for each client where we go in, we pick um, from a variety of, of, of different options. Um, it, like you were saying earlier, uh, Sophia, EMDR was initially developed uh, using eye movements and what they've found since it was developed is that there are really a lot of different ways that you can create the same effect that the eye movements do. Um, so you can have the, the client's screen set up right in front of them and they can uh, sit sort of close to the screen and watch um, a dot or um, a different symbol. I mean, you can even customize what the background looks like, what the symbol is and everything. Um, they watch that move, that symbol move back and forth. Um, or I have a lot of folks that really enjoy um, the auditory BLS, mm -hmm. bilateral stimulation. So uh, you wear a pair of headphones and I am able to control on my end uh, which headphone plays a sound. And we can basically, you can pick from like 10 different sounds, I think, on the platform I use. Um, so I'm still controlling it the same I would the same way I would be if you were sitting in the room with me. I can control the speed, um, the type of sound, the uh, how long the sounds are going for, et cetera. Um, basically everything except the volume is up to me that the volume stays uh, in the client's hands. And so I just send you the, the link at the start of our appointment time, you click on and and we're good to go. It's actually a very simple process. And in fact, it was the platform that I was using in person with clients when I was seeing people in person as well. Uh, so it's very versatile and, and very effective, at least in my experience. That sounds really cool. Thank you for that. I'll probably have some questions around that in a minute. Yeah. Who wants to add to that? Um, I guess I will go. So I typically have uh, stuck to using the light bar even um, virtually so I'll just position the light bar into the screen and just go off to the side um, and so the client hears my voice but they're just watching the light bar um, and it you know it works they typically still enjoy it and if they decide to come in person for, for whatever reason they're still used to using the light bar um, so it's a nice transition of if they can't make it in person they'll just they won't have to switch systems or sit, switch the process of how they're actually doing EMDR. Mm -hmm. um, and it I might, enjoy it. Yeah, I, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, Marie, but it might be helpful to explain exactly what a light bar is for somebody that maybe has never done EMDR. I know when I heard that the first time, I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, yeah, could you describe that setup maybe? 
Yeah, so the light bar is just a long bar um, in Soho. They have the bilateral simulations that you would see um, on the computer screen. It's just in the bar. So it goes from side to side. It starts in the middle and it goes from this side to the side at whatever pace that we're processing things. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a big bar. Um, if you were to come in person, it would be maybe like five to four feet long. Um, and yeah. yeah, go ahead. I would just um, add, I mean, ditto to what these two clinicians are saying. And I would just say on top of that, if you're listening and you're just like, this is this different. And I would just say with anything with these different therapies, with the EMDR, just to trust the process. And that is what, um, that all of EMDR, it's, it's not just the eye movements. And so your clinicians know that it's part of a larger process. And so to trust that process and that will be here for you. And part of this is creating the setting so you're comfortable. And some of that for me, I notice um, even just when we're talking and doing check-ins, if they're wearing earphones like I am, they're able to focus because sometimes if they're part of it is to be really comfortable in their own homes or their own wherever. I've also have had times when they're sitting in a car and wherever they're comfortable and feel private, um, the earphones kind of help them us focus in on each other. And so then that would also help with the techniques that Emily is sharing. So there's different things that then support the bilateral stimulation. And I think so just sort of feeling so they so you feel secure as a client. And then I would also say that um, while We've been talking about the um, pandemic and saying like this sort of feels very new to people. It is also um, people have been doing studies on this and you can get better doing teletherapy just as equally as in-person EMDR work. And I think that is also another thing to remember that people, this is a studied practice. And so if this feels a little bit different to people listening, I think that's something to remember um, that there are studies to support this and it also like it helps increase the sense of control i mean you're in your own home you're in your own or or wherever you are that feels really um i've noticed people feel more comfortable to share with me in their own setting and some people would rather be in in the office so it really it, it just depends on that individual um that it works for different people and then i would also say just on that sense of comfort and safety is that ethically and, and professionally, we know what it's like to be a client. So we know what it's like to make these choices be between in-person and telehealth and that we're in this to together as your clinician, but we're also in this together just as humans and sometimes being this close, like as I'm looking at all these amazing clinicians faces, like we're pretty close right now in the office, sometimes you're a lot farther and that it is part of our ethical practice to know what it's like to make these choices too. So that's what I wanted to add in that. Yeah, thanks for that, Aura. Yeah, Celine, how about you? I will add uh, first an endorsement for Emily's uh, use of bilateral stimulation that I know. Uh, I just in my personal uh, practice of uh, being calm and finding my center, uh, I also use this in my personal therapy. Uh, I do virtual EMDR. And I've done both with the, uh, I had my 
a therapist uh, move her hands and she was holding a highlighter, you know, trying to follow her hands and uh, we ended up moving to the bilateral stimulation with the, the app and it has been uh, a, a much nicer experience. Um, I think being able to do it online, the, the really smooth tracking of the, the movement, uh, and I use it as a clinician with, with clients. And um, it has been, I, I think, or you were the one that said some people use it in the car. <laughs> yeah, I have a client that uses it in the car. Um, she just holds the phone close to her face. Uh, but you can do the, you can do the, you can make all of the things happen virtually. Yeah, I think the only thing I would add to that, I mean, that's all really helpful for me and probably everyone who's listening. Um, when the first like workshop that I went to right when COVID started was to do the butterfly shoulder taps. So I do that sometimes with clients. I actually have one or two clients that prefer to do this in person also. Uh, and then also I've got little like hand tappers that are called TheraTappers that you just kind of hold them in your palm. A lot of my clients end up buying them anyway because I use them for reparenting. And um, so we would just use those um, as well. But I really like the sounds of the bilateralstimulation.io. Um, I, th I think that sounds pretty neat that, you know, especially because it, it is going to be a nice, smooth, very relaxing line to follow. And um, I, I can see how there's an appeal there for that in a big way. Um, yeah, all good stuff. Any, anything else? Uh -huh. Yeah, even with um, if you are using um, that particular app to conduct sessions virtually doing EMDR, um, even like the direction of the, let's say you just choose like a white dot in the middle to follow, you can make that dot go back and forth like this, right? Which is like our traditional way. You can have it go up and down. Yeah. You can have it go corner to corner. Yeah. I mean, it's really great. And I, I, so I don't work with children, but um, I've often thought that in EMDR work with children, that that would be a really great resource because um, you can you can use like emojis as the as the little symbol that they're following. So I, I imagine it it can just be really engaging in a lot of different in a lot of different ways. And it also does connect um, with, I believe bilateral stimulation.io sells their own um, tappers as well. So if a client wants to invest in like one of the more tactile BLS options, um, they can purchase those. And again, this is like not a sponsored thing. I just think it's a great resource, um, but they can purchase those through that website, hook it up to the, to the computer. And I still am the one um, that's managing how the BLS is working. Um, so it, it's very customizable. And if, if you're a clinician listening and you're looking for resources on that, I highly recommend it. It's also very affordable. It's like a couple bucks a month, I think. Oh, wow. That's nice. Yeah, that's good. That's good information. Um, anything else to add before I ask a couple of questions? Okay, doke. Um, let me find out from y'all. So, you know, when we do EMDR, it, you know, for me, 
um, and this is how I was taught. Like it's it's actually a goal for someone, you know, to feel very charged, to get very upset. And, uh, you know, this is the safest environment for someone to feel the fullest of their feelings, um, even if it's, you know, grief and pain and trauma. Um, this is where we want people to do it rather than like when they're out in their life, like driving or something that can be very dangerous or instead of, you know, having an argument with, with a loved one. Um, what I know a, a lot of my, my colleagues and clients, I've, I've heard concerns around, you know, if, if someone's getting really upset and you're not with them and, and if this is more of a virtual therapy session, you know, how I'm sure this has happened. I'm, I'm sure it's happened with all of y'all. So how do you handle that? Do you handle it any differently or just really the same as if they were sitting across from you in the office? So tell me about that. Anyone? Uh, I don't want to keep commandeering the talking space, but again, well, go I, ahead. Yeah. Um, so to me, the most important part of dealing with what you're talking about from a clinician standpoint, Sophia, is the pre-screening process. Um, so when I'm choosing to see someone virtually, whether it's for EMDR or just, you know, the traditional type of talk therapy or whatever they're coming to me for, um, I, I have to be very vigilant about um, somebody's ability to maintain some sense of self-regulation um, between sessions. That being said, I know inherently EMDR gets the wheels turning and people do experience this like heightened sense of awareness of their trauma or the thing that we're working on in EMDR. Um, so I try to make myself available to people more so in the beginning um, in case they have something that comes up between sessions. If we're in a session and someone is going outside of their window of tolerance, um, I'm staying really tuned in with the person in that moment. And I'm uh, at that point, we will have met a few times before we even do any bilateral stimulation. So I'm checking in on their, their body cues, what it looks like, uh, when they're responding to my prompts to take a deep breath, you know, are they are they fully coming up out of that uh, bilateral stimulation place when we're doing that to be able to communicate, or are they becoming more and more and more withdrawn? Um, and I mean, you know, there there are several other I think body language type cues you can take from a person. Um, so I'm. It, it comes down to me to pre-screening to make sure that they have tools um, and just being really clued in to the, the very subtle changes in their uh, body language. If somebody does go outside of that window of tolerance beyond what would be like clinically appropriate or beyond what we're really wanting someone to experience the EMDR, um, then I'm going to do things on my end like adjust things to slow the pace a little bit. Um, I might give them a second to, to take a breath, let them know I'm here. I might ask them, do you need to pause for a minute? Do you need to take a break? Things like that. And we always establish a nonverbal stop signal before we get started so that if they become so activated that they can't verbally say, I need to stop this, they can put a hand up or, you know, whatever their, their signal is. Really interesting. So, you know, what I hear you saying is 
uh, first of all, the pre-screening, but there's a lot of responsibility on you, the clinician, to make sure that this goes as smoothly as possible for your client. So, you know, you're attuned, you're paying attention. Um, right. you, you also have them being responsible as well um, for, for them to have like a safe hand signal or something. And, um, but, you know, it's also not just the pre-screening, but pre-planning um, mm-hmm. that you've really set up. Okay, that was really interesting. Awesome. Thank you, Emily. Yeah, who wants to add to that? Um, I'll just add that a lot of times, especially if they're doing virtual EMDR, I'll have them be in a comfortable place, a safe place that they feel like they can start processing. And I'll also have them have something that is comforting around them. So whether that's their blanket or, you know, some people are fidgety, so they'll have a fidget toy or something that brings them comfort to kind of move past things. Um, I'll recommend that they have with them or around them to kind of pick up or use if they need to. Um, and then like Emily said, they do have a stop signal if they, you know, really need to take a break and we can kind of process what it is that are coming up for them, why they feel the need to stop, um, and just do some grounding work, checking in, doing deep breathing, um, really seeing if we need to stop or if they would prefer to keep going, seeing where they are in the moment. Um, so we just kind of slow things down and take a few breaks if necessary. Nice. Yeah. Thanks for that, Murray. Very good. Anything else? I will add that if I notice that a client is really having a strong emotional reaction, that I will save some time at the end to bring them back to where they need to be, uh, to be able to re-enter the rest of life, um, uh, save some time for planning for self-care afterwards, planning for, uh, you know, who they're going to contact to help them, you know, stay engaged, stay safe, uh, you know, make sure that they're walking out with a plan. Nice. Okay, good. Yeah. And I think all of the, I mean, everything everyone said, and I, all of this is part of the resourcing. This is the preparation. This is the before, the after, the door, during of the EMDR process. When I said earlier about trusting the process, this is definitely part of it, that we do take time to create a safe place, or some people call it a peaceful place, That so they are prepared. They also, um, it's your brain, it's the client's brain that is, you're, you're the one healing. And so I, I think that's a good thing to remember when we hear the birds of like, oh, overwhelmed and oh my goodness. It's really, it's your brain doing the healing in the time of the bilateral. And it's, and so you are still in control as you're healing. And so the resourcing things like the safe place or sometimes people need to container their harder target events that we're working on. Um, that's already established and that's already there as well as um, what everyone has mentioned is like circling back at the end and talking about that our brains continue to reprocess even when we're done. So I think that's something to remember as well as with, with EMDR, um, even if isn't there isn't an overwhelming or a heightened sense that we're maybe as clinicians we're concerned about, it's always good to remember that um, our brains are gonna continue process what we've been working on during the session. And so exactly, I think everyone mentioned this, that it's just like afterwards too, of just everything we've been working on continues and, and we're not gonna be there, but their resources are. And that's, that's really important to know. 
Yeah, that is really important to know. Okay, I'm just going to ask one more question. Um, so we are a, a practice that specializes in a, a lot of different areas, um, you know, intimacy, connection, sex, sex addiction, sex therapy, grief, and trauma. But I just wanted to hear from you therapists. I mean, I want to, I kind of want to bring it back to sex and relationships and, and intimacy and connection. I mean, would y'all feel comfortable doing sex therapy through Zoom or whatever platform you're on and, and doing some type of EMDR? And, and, and you know, sex therapy, EMDR would be something around anorgasmia, you know, painful sex or ED, um, you know, erectile dysfunction. I mean, lots of things. It could be about, you know, feeling safer, moving towards someone instead of being avoidant. I mean, all kinds of things we could we could bring into the conversation around sex and relationships and and intimacy and connection. So um, how do y'all feel around going into such a personal space like sexuality um, via Zoom and, and using our EMDR tools for that purpose? I would say um, that I enjoy it and I already do that because I see couples virtually. Um, so it's a lot of getting them on the same page and just being able to open up and talk about sex, right? Because sex is sometimes a taboo topic and they don't really want to share, you know, things that may be upsetting to them or things that they feel like is a strong opinion that they have about sex with each other. Um, so it's a lot of just grounding them and kind of working through sexual trauma if something comes up and they haven't really discussed what that sexual trauma is. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm very comfortable with working with couples and discussing sex therapy and, and incorporating EMDR into the virtual practice. Good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Anybody else want to add to that? Yeah, I'd say I, I agree with everything that Marie said. I think, um, you know, in a certain way, being virtual, I think, provides some kind of feeling of, um, I don't know, the protection's not, the, the protection's the right word, but um, I feel like what I've noticed since switching entirely to virtual is that people are a little more readily just like offering up information to say, like, oh, my sex life's not great right now, or I'm really having a trouble in this particular area, or what have you that beforehand it might have taken a little bit longer for a person to just like work up the nerve to, to say that uh, when I'm sitting right there in front of them. And I don't know, maybe that's part of just like social media, you know, being a lot easier to say things online than to somebody's face. So just that feeling that like there's just enough removal here that uh, I can say what's on my mind and then hop off this call immediately, you know, if I need to. Um, but yeah, for me, I, I feel fine with it and notice that clients just offer it up more readily, it seems. Thanks for that. Yeah. Anything else to add? No, no, uh, uh -huh. no. Go ahead. I'm just going to agree that I, I notice people when they talk about the betrayal trauma that I work with, um, that they're it's a little bit they can turn inward and sort of like do like sort of internal processing a little almost I don't know about quicker but maybe it's more with a flow when it's 
when it's they're already in their intimate place instead of grounding in the office they're already in their place so yeah all agreements I agree and I will also say along those same lines that for the couples that I work with um most of those folks I started working with in person and then flipped over to doing virtual and from the clinician standpoint seeing people in their home in their environment um gives us a lot more information just about like what you're like when you're not in our office and that's really valuable information for us to have um so that's another added bonus i would say definitely yeah agreed I think the only thing I would I would add to that is I've noticed um, I do all of my intake sessions now um, virtually, like all of them, except for, you know, something that I, I must do something in person. And I feel like I get more from people in a virtual intake, especially men who are coming to me for sex addiction. Um, they just are reeling off. You know, it's a much quicker reeling off of, of what they want to share. I agree with you. Like there's a removal um, it, it's, it's feels safer to them is, is really what, what I'm, I'm feeling and they're just much more comfortable sharing. So I have found, uh, virtual therapy to be really effective in, in that way. And, um, I'm excited to, to do different kinds of EMDR. So I appreciate this everyone. And thank you so much everyone for listening. Thank you for being with us today. And we look forward to our next episode of sex in the bull city. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye-bye.